Please open your Bibles this evening to Romans 8. Romans 8. Uh, the passage this evening is Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. Romans 8, beginning at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened in the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this Spirit. We thank you that we can have confidence in the Spirit of life. Lord, we pray that we would hear from your Word today, that we would see Jesus more clearly, that our enemies would be destroyed, and that you would be seen. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, we're going to be looking at the confidence that we can have in the spirit of life. After Paul gives his uh, theology and doctrine in Romans 1 through 6, in chapter 7 he pauses and shows us again our salvation, but shows it in light of our present reality. Uh, that there's still remaining sin that's dwelling within us. I think that uh, a lot of us uh, think this similarly on Monday or Tuesday, after we hear a a great gospel sermon on Sunday. On Sunday, we say, yes, pastor, I agree. That's exactly how I want to live. That's what I desire. I want to grow in loving the Word of God. I want to grow in prayer. I want to grow in loving my neighbor. But then, on Monday and Tuesday, we see our sin, and we don't know what to do with it. How can it be true? And how can I grow in my sanctification? How can those both be true while also me being in the flesh? What about this war that we're in? The internal war between what I desire and what I want, what my heart desires, what my soul desires, and yet how I live. And Paul's reflection on this is beautiful. He says that in his spirit, He knows what is good and he desires the things of God, but in his flesh 
He doesn't do what he wants to do, and he does the things that he doesn't want to do. Paul says in Romans 7, verses 22 to 23, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. Romans 8 is an answer to Paul's struggle in Romans 7. Especially these verses, Paul tells us why. Why as we go through this life, why as we're at a war within ourselves, as we battle this world, the flesh and the devil, why can we have confidence in the Spirit of God? We might be fleshly beings, but we're also spiritually beings. And being spiritually alive is our confidence. Just quickly, if you are in Christ, if you're a believer, then you are alive in the Spirit. And that is our hope and our joy in our life. Think of it this way. The coronavirus is a bodily virus. It attacks our flesh. And there are many ways that we can be affected by the coronavirus. It can bring us pain, debilitation, even death. But being spiritually alive means that no matter what this world throws at us, no matter our enemies, no matter how the devil attacks us, no matter our circumstances, our actions, or our feelings, we have confidence in the spirit of life. Because if we are alive in the spirit, that means we have first, an assured life, second, a present life, and third, a future life. And that's how we're going to walk through these verses. First, an assured life. Second, a present life. And third, a future life. The devil and flesh can wage war all they want. But we are alive in the Spirit. And the world and the flesh can do nothing about that. So as we begin with an assured life, we begin with verses 1 through 4. And we see in verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation. And there is no condemnation because of the Spirit's application of Jesus' work. The main verb in these four verses is actually the verb in verse 2 speaking of the Spirit's action. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. The Spirit setting free is the focus. We can have confidence in the Spirit of life because, as verse 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This world can do many things. Sin can attack us. It can be painful. There can be consequences. But our sin cannot do anything against the declaration over our lives of being justified. And how can we be justified? How can there be no condemnation? Because of Jesus' sacrifice, of course, but it's also because of the Spirit's applying of Jesus' work to believers. It is the Spirit who applies this justification, and we can have confidence in the Spirit. This is especially in verse 2. How do we become justified? How, how do you and I become justified? It's by the Spirit's applying. The word beginning verse 2, the word for, 
should actually be understood as the cause of salvation. So why are we saved? This would mean that it would be read, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, there's no condemnation, because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation because the Spirit has set believers free from death. The Spirit is the one who opens the door to this salvation for us. He's the one who applies it. He's the one who puts the payment of Christ's blood on our behalf. If you owe debts at the bank, um, someone who is rich, his bank account could, could pay off your debts. But it will only ever actually pay off your debts if he applies those payments to your account. The payment of Jesus on the cross needs to be put towards an individual. Without it being put towards an individual, it's just something that happened in history. And there are two things that the Spirit applies to believers. The first we see in verse 3, that the Spirit applies Jesus' condemnation of sin. It says in verse 3 that um, God has done what the law couldn't do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. God's people are no longer condemned because Jesus condemned sin. Sin was judged and condemned. And Jesus condemned sin for all God's people so that there's no longer any condemnation remaining for the believer. Jesus fully paid the penalty of all of our sins. We have been perfectly and fully washed clean because of what Jesus has done and how the Spirit has applied that to us. And not only did Jesus take away all of our condemnation, but secondly in verse 4, we see that the Spirit has applied Jesus' perfect fulfillment of the law. Spirit people are given Jesus' perfect righteousness. So now, no matter what day of the week, God sees you as a perfectly righteous and pure person because you have the Spirit within you. Paul here is saying that if you are in Christ, if you are a believer, then you are a spirit person. No one works in and of themselves to bring themselves to be a spirit person. It's those whom the Spirit sets free who have now become a slave to God whom the Spirit brings now to walk. There's a one-time transition of your life where now you are a spirit person. And how do I know if I'm a spirit person? How do I know if I'm a spirit person or a flesh person? It's not that we look over our lives and we see all of the good things that we've done, all of our pure living. I know that I'm a spirit person if I believe in Jesus Christ and if I desire to live for Him. Thus, this is the first answer to Paul's question in Romans 7. The Spirit works to set them free. Free from sin and death because of what Jesus has done. Those who are in Christ can have a great confidence because they have the Spirit within them. No death, 
no punishment. You can have confidence and assurance that no matter your sin, no matter the war waging within your heart, that on the last day, when you're face to face with God Himself, you will hear no condemnation. We can be fully assured of our life because you and I did not set ourselves free. It was the Spirit who's done that. We did not apply Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to ourselves. It wasn't that we prayed good enough, we lived good enough. It was the Spirit that does that, in whom we never lose. Your condemnation, your sentence, now and forever, is justified. And not only that, we are not only justified, but then Paul moves on in verses 5-8 to to declare that those who are in the Spirit right now have a present life in the Spirit. Not only does this salvation that the Spirit applies to you have an impact on your justification and your standing before God, right now you are also alive in the Spirit if you are God's people. Right now, if you have the Spirit living within you, then you have God living and breathing in your heart, in your soul. Right now, you have a present life because your soul is alive and the source is God Himself. Again, in verse 5, those who live according to the Spirit. In verse 6, those who set their minds on the Spirit. This isn't pointing us to say, we need to set our minds on the Spirit. We need to be people who are set on the Spirit. This is a declaration about Spirit people. Spirit people are those who live according to the Spirit. Spirit people are those who set their minds on the Spirit. It's just true about God's people. Already right now, if if you are a Spirit person, if if Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then you have the Holy Spirit living and breathing within you. God has transformed spirit people that we would live and never die. And this is what Paul recounts in chapter 7, verses 22. He says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. He's a spirit person because now he delights in God. And then in verse 25, he says, So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Paul has been made a spiritually alive person. Though his flesh still wages war, he has confidence that he is spiritually alive. And here in Romans 8, we see that there are two separate groups of people in this world. There are those who are flesh, and there are those who are spirit. And we see in verses 5 through 8 this division. Those who live in the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They set their minds on themselves or or sex or money. But those who live in the Spirit, who set their minds on the Spirit, are enslaved to God, and they set their minds on God Himself, on love, on joy, on grace. And we see that both of these groups have opposite powers working within them. Those whom the Spirit has set free have had their hearts and allegiances changed. They've already been made alive. They're already living for God. They love the things of God. Here, Paul tells the church in Rome that they have a spiritual life. In verse 6, we see that presently they they are alive, they have life, 
in peace with God. If you have this life within you, that means that you will desire the things of God, that you will have the fruit of living for God. You will have the blessing of loving your neighbor. You can say no to sin. You have the power of God right now, no matter your circumstances, you have the power of God working in your heart. Though Paul sees the sin within him, though you and I still have the lingering effects of sin, Paul has a great confidence, a great assurance of this present life. We who are God's people know that we've been set free to now be slaves of God. Our whole beings are no longer dead bones. We have spirits that are alive. So when you are faced with sin, we can now know that we can say no to sin. I have a new master. I am now alive. I'm God's. Paul contrasts that spirit life, which is life and peace right now, with the death and inability of flesh people. We see their present death in verses 7 through 8. This is for those who are not in Christ, who have not been transferred to be a slave to God, who still live in the flesh, who set their minds on the fleshly desires, and they are dead. Paul says in verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is presently, right now, hostile to God. It does not submit to God. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God because they cannot get out of the slavery of their own sinful desires. They are presently dead. They have no ability to live for God. They have no ability to even bring themselves life. If you're sitting here today and you know that you're not in Christ, that you have not been set free by the Spirit, if you know that you do not have spiritual life and peace before God, then you are dead. You have no hope within yourself for life. You are set on the flesh. You are hostile to God. You cannot submit to God's law. You cannot please God. And God's Word can do one of two things. God's Word this evening can be spoken to you and can further uh, your conviction that you are dead to God, that you are set on the flesh, that you do not want to submit to God. You can say, no, I, I, that's absolutely true of me. I have no desire to live for God. This evening, you can be your own accuser and say, yes, that is true of me. Or God's Word, right? not yourself, God's speech, Jesus' voice, can bring life. Jesus' voice which created the world, which brought life from nothing, He speaks again today. So while you have no ability, you are dead if you're not in Christ, Jesus still speaks. And today He calls out, and He calls out to the lame, take up your bed and walk. He calls out to the dead, arise. If you today would like to have present life, and peace before God. If you know that you are dead, you have no ability to come to Jesus. Ask that the Spirit would be applied to your heart. That Jesus' death would be yours. And that His life would be yours. Come and receive this Spirit, this life. Come to your Savior today. Because your status, whether you are alive or dead, on this earth right now, will be your status forever. Paul transitions in verse 9 to the future life. 
And he speaks of the future life of spirit people. He now moves on to speak about believers and their hope of their eternal end. And note here in verses 9 and 10, the Trinitarian emphasis. It's our Trinitarian God who promises this future life. In verse 9, if you are in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, God God the Father, and then speaking of the Spirit of Christ belongs to you, then it says in verse 10, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Christ lives within you, then you are alive because Jesus' righteousness is placed on your account. You are righteous, which means that your body as well in the future will be given life as your spirit has already been given life. And this is the exclamation point of these 12 verses. Paul is answering his question in chapter 7, verse 24, when Paul asks, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul's answer is the Holy Spirit. Not only do you have life now in your spirit presently, that you are a slave to God, that you desire the things of God, but in the future, your body as well will be made perfectly united with your spirit. Paul looks forward to the day when God's people are fully free from indwelling sin, fully free from the pull of sin, fully free from the effects of sin. One day, for God's people, there will no longer be a war between your body and soul. One day they will be perfectly united to praise and enjoy God forever. And this is the hope that Paul has. That when Christ, come again, Christ comes again, he will be saved from his body. He will be given a new body. Where then Paul will be able to seek the Lord in everything that he does. That he will know what Jesus has done for him in its fullness that he will be able to live in the blessings of God forever. Paul wants to fully serve God. And Paul has confidence in this spirit of life that no matter what this world holds, no matter what our flesh will strive for, no matter what the devil yells at us, that we are destined for an eternity of life and perfect peace and joy and love with our souls and bodies united. And we see in verse 11 that Paul's hope is based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' body, which originally was like ours, that did age and decayed and hungered and thirsted, his body was raised from the dead and he was given a new body, one that no longer sees decay. One that no longer is pulled towards sin. He was raised to a new body. And you and I can have confidence that if we're a child of God, 
that we will be raised with a new body as well. Where there is no more decay, there's no more age, there's no more hurt, there's no more hunger and thirst except to hunger and thirst for Jesus. And we are given confidence because it's the exact same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that's living within us, that's giving us present life, that promises to raise us from the dead as well. It's the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that finished that work, that accomplished that resurrection, that guarantees He will do that for us as well. Again, no matter what your sin declares about you and about your eternal destiny, this Spirit of life declares to you that you are going to heaven. God's people, if you belong to Christ, if you're a spirit person, if you have been justified, if you have been made alive in the Spirit, if you are destined for heaven, then there is nothing that this world or even your own flesh and sin can do. You can have confidence, not in yourself, not in your actions, not in your deeds, not thinking that I will continue to be a Christian, I will strive for God, but we can have confidence in the spirit of life. And I'm sure of this. As Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise You and we thank You that we can have confidence in the Spirit of life. That no matter our circumstances, no matter what we see with our eyes, that we are held by You. That we are justified. That right now we are presently alive to live for God, slaves of God. And Lord, that in the end, we will see You in heaven. Lord, we pray that You would grow our confidence. That when we see our sin, we would be directed towards the Spirit. Lord, that when we see the flesh waging war, we can know that it has no power over us anymore. Lord, we thank You for this passage. We pray that we would grow. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.